This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We bring you none of the hot take BS. We bring you best. We bring you sports. I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it. Please stop it. <laughs> Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every single single game impacts you in some way shape or form it's you better you bet presented by betmgm the magnificent monday edition of you better you bet rolls on nick costos ken barkley and you here with us on the BetQL Network. Uh, Matt Moore, our friend from the Action Network, is going to join us in just a moment, talking NBA. 20 minutes from now, the whale capper Drew Densick stops by from NBC Sports. We'll talk some NBA and some National Football League with Whale as the uh, it's dying for some more NFL draft markets to get posted. Uh, rumors coming hot and heavy as the scouting combine getting ready to start this week in Indianapolis. We got quarterbacks and wide receivers, like a top 10 picks projected, uh, deciding either to throw run or not throw and not run. We'll sift through those coming up 40 minutes from now. We'll hit all the latest rumors in the National Football League ahead of the scouting combine and uh, try to get ahead of bets when these markets do indeed open. Power hour, final hour, 60 minutes from now. We'll give you all our bets for tonight in the NBA, college hoops, and the National Hockey League. And we'll talk some baseball with our friend Jake the Snake Hassan with spring training underway. And I know that because I got a text from like 10 texts this morning from a Yankee fan friends of mine about Juan Soto, who's on fire right now for our New York Yankees. So we'll find out what Jake likes right now in Major League Baseball. Bets that we might want to play. Some NL Central. Cody Bellinger uh, re-signing with the Cubs. So we'll do that coming up next hour on the show. But joining us right now to kick off hour number three, the fun and frivolity here on this Monday, is our good friend Matt Moore from the Action Network and the Buckets Podcast and NBA Bet Stream as well on Twitter at HP Basketball. Matt, welcome back to the show. Nick and Ken, what's up? How much, man? Excited for this stretch run. This is one of my favorite times of the year, even though the, the basketball gets messy in March. I love tracking standings. I love looking forward to the playoffs, trying to figure out who's going to play who. It gives us a lot of advantages when we're looking at the futures market, trying to figure out who to bet, who to wait on. Uh, awards markets, obviously, coming down to the wire. It's going to be a great time to bet the NBA over this last 45 days or so. Yeah, and Matt, as, as kind of no fun as All-Star Weekend was, especially for for us, the the viewers, maybe not so much you, as we talked about last week, like being there, it was more fun. But as as not fun, as boring, as like lame as that was, just some like really fun games the last few days, like interesting yeah. teams, interesting matchups. Obviously, as you can imagine, we talked a lot about Golden State and Denver in the first hour of the show, their game yesterday, which to me kind of like just 
re-solidified, I guess would be the right way to put it. Jokic is the MVP favorite. The way people talk about him out of that game, like, okay, I, I can get to him being a favorite at this price now, like minus 140, minus 150. You've been a big SGA person all year. He's the secondary. He was great yesterday. Maybe not as many people watching, but still awesome as they, they come from behind and beat Houston. And then, you know, Luca loses. He's third. It kind of goes to sends down from there. Any, like, updated thoughts here on NBA Most Valuable Player off of, honestly, like, a string of really strong performances by the top two candidates so this is honestly the the best way i have to look at it and this is not just based off of my own thought process this is off of conversations with a handful of voters now there's 100 voters in the nba so this is not like a comprehensive sample this is not a straw poll but what, what i will tell you is if the thunder get the one seed which they are currently at in the market a plus 170 sga is going to win mvp like i'll tell you that right now if the thunder get the one seed i think that shay gillis alexander wins MVP, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. I do not think the Denver Nuggets are going to get the one seed because I do not think that they're going to put their foot down. I think they're going to play hard for about the next, oh, I don't know, 10 days or so, and then they're going to put it on cruise control. The Thunder are going to push it to the end, and I think that they have the best chance of getting the one seed. And if they're the one seed, I think SGA wins MVP. So what I will tell you is there's a, there is an inequity in the market in that if the Thunder are plus 170 to make the one seed, SGA needs to be plus 170 to win MVP. Those two things are tied, and they're not, because there's a 250, 275 in the market for SGA. So by that very nature, I think that there's an inequity in the market. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Thunder get the one seed and Mark Dagonal wins coach of the year, and everyone says Shea will get it next year. Jokic is getting this one. Maybe. But Jokic's numbers don't necessarily add up the way that they, they usually do. He is not leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else in the advanced metrics. And so I do think that there's, and I will say this, there's just going to be a lot of folks looking for another guy to, to vote for. And is that ridiculous after what we went through last year? Absolutely. But it's going to happen again. So I still continue to believe I'm having a hard time here because I want to hedge my SGA position, which I am over leveraged on. And yet I keep coming back to when I look at the, at the entire field, I'm just like, no, the best value still is on Shea Gildas Alexander. Um, I want to play out a scenario with you, Matt, that Ken and I did last hour on the show. And that's if the Celtics have like they don't even need to win. They don't have to like win out. But they they win like twenty more games. Go like right. sixty five and seventeen. Um, does Jason Tatum win MVP? Does Joe Mazzulla win Coach of the Year? Does Derek White or Drew Holiday win Defensive Player of the Year? Is it possible that a sixty five win team, if they win sixty five games or more, gets nothing? Um, so I'll ask you, Matt. Like you said, the end and like the voters are looking for someone new. Could it be Tatum? If Dagnalt and Oklahoma City are the one seed, but Boston wins 67 games, is Missoula really not going to win Coach of the Year? So what about the Celtics hypotheticals here? Like, what happens if Boston does that? So I asked Ken, you know, what do you guys want to talk about today? And he gave me a list of topics, and this was on, among them. And so I started thinking about it, and I started looking at things. Uh, and right before we went on the air, and the, uh, I bet, I bet Joe Missoula to win Coach of the Year. Yeah, oh, well, I guess that answers the question. <laughs> like, that, that's how this would work out. Look, there is a ceiling that Jason Tatum is not going to break where he's going to, it can't just be the wins. It just, I understand. Like, Draymond Green made this point. He's like, how is this guy not talked about more? Look at how good they are. It's not like they would be as good without Jason Tatum, even though the numbers are kind of like, oh, they might be as good without Jason Tatum. The problem is just like, there is a, there is a ceiling a concrete right now ceiling on Jason Tatum that he's going to have to break through. Now he could have chiseled away at it by putting up the numbers that SGA and Jokic 
and Embiid before he got hurt and Luka Doncic have, but he doesn't. He doesn't have those numbers. He doesn't control the game like they do. He doesn't have the efficiency. He does, he, he's only averaging 27. He's not going to get into that tier. That No one's going to put him at that level, especially when we talk about no one is going to be like, who are the best players in the NBA? Like, just that's that's who you would want to go for here. Is like, well, he won a lot of games, and I care about the best player on the best team. No one's going to be like, oh yeah, Tatum's up there with Jokic and Giannis and Luca and Embiid. No one's going to do that. And so, if they're not going to do that, it can't be Tatum. But I think there will be pressure to reward the Celtics to be like, are we really not going to do anything for these guys? Like they've had. I looked at this up this morning. They're going to have the eighth best SRS. And if you're wondering what that is. All it is is point differential versus strength of schedule. How tough was that? were the teams that you faced, and how much did you beat them by? They're going to have the eighth best mark in history right now. We're really not going to reward that with 65 wins. So I do think there's value on Joe Mazzula for coach of the year. I think it's a tough market. Um, I do think Dagonault's way ahead, and what Dagonault's done is better, but I do think there's value on Joe Mazzula for coach of the year. So, Matt, we came to almost the exact same conclusion. Like, Dagnall's going to win a lot of the time. And my argument was just like, who even has a path to win an argument against him? Right. Like, Finch maybe doesn't. Ty Lue probably doesn't anymore. Nope. Bickerstaff definitely doesn't. Nope. Like, who is it? Like, and the answer could be no one. The answer could be no one wins an argument against him. And if he wins the games, he just wins. And they're the one seed and that's it. And I would totally buy that. But this guy can win the argument. Like, he can win the argument by just winning every game. Like that's mm-hmm. and they can do it. They can win every game because they're so damn good. Do you do you buy the defense? Because like the defensive player of the year stuff is like really far fetched. It's like a little galaxy yeah. brain. Gobert is like number one in defensive win shares. They're the best. Minnesota's the best defense in the league. These are things that very strongly predicts who wins defensive player of the year. Most people that talk about this award almost talk like it like it's almost done. But you talk to people kind of that vote and you talk to other people in the media that I don't talk to. I talk to people, honestly, like betters. And sometimes we're all kind of clueless about this stuff. Is Gobert, is this like a cinch or is there room for someone to come into the discussion? Could it be a Celtic or would it be somebody else? No, it's a cinch. Um, Even if we go past the historical markers, which is like, if you were a previous winner on the number one defense, you're going to win this thing. Like you're just going right. to win this thing. That's like, that's what history says The here's the bigger problem. If you're talking about the people, the actual voters, um, coaches get excited to tell you about how good Rudy Gobert is. Players are kind of like, yeah, you know, he's, he's good. Cause he drives them nuts, but coaches love him. Like Eric Spolstra in December, when I was kind of like, there's an opportunity here to fade Gobert. Spo went on like a, like a six minute monologue about how good Rudy Gobert is and how he shapes the game defensively. And more than one voter I noticed like retweeted or commented on that post. And just like that, that's going to make a huge difference. If you're trying to find somebody that's going to win DPOI, it's going to have to be somebody who like really does the work on it. That's like in depth, like, Hey, I know Rudy's really great, but all those defenders are awesome. Like me personally, I don't think he's DPOI because I know how good the Wolves perimeter defenders are, but there should, and there's is, and there's too much going for Gobert. It would be an immense, immense upset. If anyone else won this award, even beyond what the number is in the market right now, which does it like, yes, there's quote unquote value right on Rudy Gobert, but that doesn't mean you should bet it. It's not worth betting. It's just a dead market. We, we, we went over it. There was an opportunity. The Wolves just kept their status, and that's enough. There's no argument against Gobert that's going to be strong enough to drag him into the conversation with the people behind him. You better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Monday talking the NBA with our friend Matt Moore from the Action Network and the Buckets podcast on Twitter at HP Basketball. Matt, I am of the opinion 
that, that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to go supernova down the stretch here. And the reason that I gave, and I've said this a couple times, and it sounds a little ridiculous, but I, I really do believe it. I believe that Shaquille O'Neal taking Damian Lillard to task on set of Inside the NBA and basically saying, you guys should not be this bad. You got to grab everybody by the collar and basically make them play better. Lillard's like, you know what? Like, you're right. Um, all they've done out of the break is beat, beat the Timberwolves and then thump. The, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. So want to get your thoughts on Milwaukee now coming out of the break. And then something I ran by Ken and then I, I bet during a break earlier in the show. Six man seems like a very open market right now. And like Monk's the favorite, but I mean, he's not really that great. Not like a great candidate. I don't think. Bobby Portis is 125 to one. What happens if Milwaukee wins like 57 games in the regular season? Could Portis ever win six man of the year? So your thoughts on Milwaukee and then am I nuts? For liking Bobby Portis at a huge price for six man of the year. Certifiably insane. So absolutely oh. bonkers, crazy, could not. So the problem is, is like the perception of the Bucks is that their big glaring weakness is their bench. And if you follow, if you have encountered any Bucks fan online, they will tell you that Bobby Portis has been a dumpster fire this year. Now, I'm from Arkansas, woo pig. So I love Bobby Portis and I will defend him to the death. But... Bobby does not have the reputation in order to be like, you have to have some level of like helped his team win. And so Bobby even putting up numbers for a really good team. And that's usually been like kind of the, the model for six man is like, were you a really high scoring guy off the bench for a team that won a bunch of games? Um, so I, I get it from that perspective, but there will be, I think a, a drag against him based off of how bad the bucks bench has been. I think we've started to see it, uh, advanced metrics worm their way into this award. I think we started seeing it last year with Brogdon, um, I think Malik Monk probably grades out the best there, which is one of the reasons I think he's taking money, and that's why I think he's moved to the favorite. As far as the Bucks go, if you're of the belief they're going to go on a supernova run, you get plus 120 for them to overtake the Cavaliers for the division. That's probably the best way to bet it. And the reason I say that is they're not going to catch the Celtics for a one seed, so even on a long shot, like Boston's not slowing down. They are a machine. The problem here is like, okay, but we've got like long-term. We can play like conference. This is the issue with Doc Rivers is if they had replaced Adrian Griffin with almost anyone else, I am probably buying Bucks futures now. But they chose the one coach that I'm like, do I really want to get to a second round versus insert whoever, a red-hot Sixers team with Embiid back, or a Knicks team, or the Heat, who do what they do every friggin' year. Do I want to be in that spot and be like, yeah, I've got a big position on Doc Rivers? No, no, I do not. And so I'm kind of frozen here, I'm of, I'd I look at it more you. like you have a position on Giannis and Lillard, but I understand. Sure, sure. Right. but this is the thing: is like, is like on some level we've shot, we've seen that good coaching can neutralize Giannis, and we've seen good coaching neutralize Dame. And you need what, what about what about what about what about when the mega powers collide, though? What about Bobby? Portis? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's enough, right? The preseason numbers were there. Maybe if we just and we just look back at preseason, it's a pretty good indicator. But I have enough concerns, especially with the defensive side and with that bench, quite honestly, um, that I don't – I'm going to play it pl series by series and take that approach with it rather than getting a futures play on it. I do think there's value in the Bucks to win the division at plus 120. Matt, I, I want to ask you something in like 10 seconds hard out here because we want to get a pick from tonight too. What is the percentage chance from the people you talk to? What is the percentage chance that Tyrese Maxey wins most improved player in like 10 seconds? I think it's higher than the market expects. I think it's probably like 85 to 90%. I think the market is mostly just taking money on guesswork. And I think that he's probably still got it locked up based off of what he's accomplished this year already. Uh, and Mike Brown getting everything put on the screen really quickly. Maxi minus 270 right now to win at bet MGM. Uh, Matt, about 15 seconds here. What's your favorite bet on a slow night in the NBA on this Monday? 
Zombie Heat, plus six and a half. They're without Jimmy Butler. They're without Josh Richardson. Don't care. This is the spot. Kings in a letdown spot after a big win versus the Clippers. Kings have not been great at home. They're not good versus teams under 500, which is what the Heat are without Jimmy Butler and all these guys out. So I'll take the Zombie Heat to keep it within the number six and a half versus the Kings on the road. Gotta tell you, this is like a good Zombie Heat spot with Miami. Everyone's either suspected or hurt. Yeah, this is like a good zombie heat spot. Matt, we appreciate it, brother. Great job, as always, at HP Basketball on Twitter, ActionNetwork.com and the app, the Buckets Podcast, NBA Bet Stream. Stay well. Good luck with the bets. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Our pal Matt Moore joining us here on You Better, You Bet. I don't like that he kind of crapped all over my Bobby Porter six-man case, but otherwise it was awesome. Totally awesome. Sometimes you need people to do that. And listen, and he might be right. Uh, The whale capper Drew Dinsick from NBC Sports joins Nick and Ken coming up next. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.